Welcome to today's episode of the Do They Own You podcast, where we kick and scream and make a fuss about all of the outrageous abuses that are happening in the world of surveillance and the fact that you don't even have a right to privacy anymore. Every single piece of your life, in every manner, in every place, at every time is being monitored. Not least of which, when you're driving. There's so much stuff that goes on now with automatic number plate scanning and location tracking through your phone and your vehicle and smart cars and all of the rest of this, electronic, uh, not electric vehicles, EVs, all of that stuff. Now, back in 2021, I think, around there, there was a bill that was passed to uh, say that cars, vehicles, have to have systems in them to stop people from driving drunk. And everybody thinks that that's a good idea. I think that that's a good idea. Um, but of course, as is the case so many times with things like this that are on their face value, are at their face value a good idea, it's the implementation where it starts to go slightly awry. We're kicking off with an article that is from a couple of years ago. Uh, it ran on NPR at the time when there was talk about, well, how exactly do we do this? So in 2021, which is when this article is from, there was a bill that passed that said that there had to be some kind of monitoring in cars. 2024, which brings us to today, is when it is being decided as to what type of specific monitoring happens in cars. And then starting in 2026, 2027 is when the mandatory tech has to be in the cars. So uh, we'll, we'll start with the article and uh, we'll go from there. The, the article on NPR at the Times headlined, What if cars could stop you from driving drunk? A peek at the latest tech. Right. Sounds so good. So, you know, so far so good. Nobody has a problem with uh, eliminating drunk driving. There's no question that they cause a, 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 an untold amount of harm to lives and people's lives and, and society. Let's get rid of them. I'm, I'm there. So far, no problems here. The article begins, it's an idea that could mark a pretty revolutionary change for vehicle safety. What if our cars could prevent drunk driving? The recent infrastructure law, that was back in 2021, included a provision mandating that starting in a few years, all new cars must include some sort of technology to detect and prevent drunk driving. Some companies were already racing to figure out how to do this. Now it's going to be required. Uh, the article continues, I actually think this particular technology could save more lives than airbags, says David Harkey, the president of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. Now, I'm not sure. I, I think the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety are the guys that do all of the vehicle safety regulations, like it's got to be a certain number of stars in this regard and that regard. I don't remember, but my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, these guys are, you know, a, a credible institution or institute. They've been at it for a while. Uh, his quote continues, we're talking about more than 10,000 people that are losing their lives annually as a result of alcohol-impaired driving in the country. All right, look, I don't want to make this comparison, but I just have to draw this comparison. You've got 10,000 lives lost per year uh, from alcohol-impaired driving in the United States, and they're now creating a law that's going to impact, I don't know, how many drivers are in the United States so 300-something million population, let's say half of them drive, if you exclude the elderly and the infants. So let's say you've got 150 million. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't save 10,000 people if we can. We absolutely should. Um, however, at face value, I don't want to be the one to say this, but I've got to say this, I feel like 
putting in mandatory technology into the vehicles of 150 million drivers to save 10,000, I feel like this takes us back to exactly the days of COVID. And I don't want to make this comparison. I know this is going to be controversial. Some people are going to say, how dare you? We have to do everything we can to save these people. Uh, No, we don't do everything we can. We do everything that's reasonable. Because if we did everything that we can to save these 10,000 people, we would just ban cars. Easy. No more, no more road traffic accidents. That's done. So it's not a question of doing everything we can. It's a question of doing everything that's reasonable. So we're talking about impacting 150 million people, maybe, if my numbers are right, it's around there somewhere, um, impacting every single driver in the United States, put it that way, for the sake of saving 10,000 people. This is the same thing that happened. This is the same conceptual question that occurred at the time of COVID. Do we substantially impact hundreds of millions of people to save a small amount of people? Except the difference, of course, was at the time with COVID, it wasn't just 10,000 people. It was, I don't know what they said the numbers were, hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever. That's not the purpose of this podcast. My point is, it is the same analysis. Let's impact everyone. Let's, uh, let's affect everyone to save what is a fairly small number of people. So, you know, I'm just dropping that little comparison there, dropping that little, uh, drawing that line in the sand, if you like. If it truly is just 10,000 people, now, you know, I don't want to be the guy that says we shouldn't save them. We should. But the point is, we've got to do what's reasonable. And I'm saying it might not be reasonable on the balance of these numbers. Let's continue. The article goes on. So how might this technology actually work? The new law doesn't specify, but there are a few approaches uh, that have been explored in recent years. They fall into two main categories, systems that measure your blood alcohol level while you do normal driving tasks. Uh, and cameras that watch for telltale signs of drunkenness. So just on this, systems that measure your blood alcohol level while you do normal driving tasks. I'm trying to think of exactly how that would work, normal driving tasks. So they're not implying that you should blow into a breathalyzer or something, it seems, because that's not a normal driving task. Maybe it monitors, I don't know, your steering inputs or something. Maybe there's some type of Machine learning that can go on there. You're, you're wobbling around a bit more than you usually do. Okay, maybe that's not terrible. If that then causes something else to happen. Look, actually, I've got more of an open mind at this point thinking about that um, than, you know, the other method, which is cameras watching for telltale signs of drunkenness. That one for me is like, what? Are you kidding me? Again, like so many of these things. It's a great idea. Let's save lives. But at what cost? At the cost of sticking a camera in the face of every single driver on the road? Are you kidding me? That's an easy no. That is a nowhere near acceptable type uh, uh, balancing act. Anyway, the article continues. Here's what to know about each of them and how soon they might become reality. Built-in breathalyzers could sample cabin air. Okay, that's interesting. One system that is being road tested today involves sensors that automatically take breath samples and look for traces of alcohol with no need to blow into a tube. All right. Yeah, you know what? I actually don't. I feel like I don't have a problem with that. If it's just passive monitoring, I guess then the question becomes, well, what happens if you're, you're the designated driver and your passenger is intoxicated? But I suppose it's about to go into that. So we'll continue. The driver alcohol detection system for safety or DADS with the double S. Uh, is a joint project between automakers and the government that is working on this technology, which 
would stop the vehicle from moving if it detects that a driver's blood alcohol content is above legal levels. Uh, it goes on to say they've built researchers, uh, sorry, researchers from dads have built sensors that can be uh, integrated into a vehicle's dashboard or window. They currently require a driver to blow a puff of air in the general direction of the sensor. Okay. Anyway, it goes on, but eventually the goal is for the system to sample a driver's normal breathing and so on and so forth. Okay, that's fine. So you've got the breathalyzer uh, version where it's sampling the breath. I don't think I have too much of a problem with that because it's very passive. Um, it doesn't go to identifying people. So you know what? I actually don't have a problem with that because, well, let me say this. If it works, if it does what it says on the tin, which is, uh, you know, it somehow doesn't allow you to operate your car. Obviously, it's not going to stop you if you're doing 60 mile an hour, but if it somehow prevents the uh, commencement of that journey, if the driver is actually intoxicated and it does nothing else, it doesn't phone those results into anyone, doesn't share those uh, statistics, doesn't share that data with anyone, I've got no problem with it. Um, I've got no challenge. I've got no uh, reluctance to say that it's technically possible to do that. So that's fine. My reluctance, of course, comes in on the second point, that it's not going to share that data. Of course they're going to share the data. Every car maker at this point in time is harvesting as much data as they can possibly get their hands on. Um, breath sampling, I mean, again, it doesn't take much creativity here to figure out that you can, work, you can determine so much more from breath sampling. You can, it goes to health overall. It goes to diet, it goes to lifestyle, it goes to fitness. All of that stuff can be sampled, however accurately or not is another thing, but all of that stuff can be sampled from breath samples. So, you know, what do they do with the data? That becomes the real concern, which leads to the second point. Next, uh, continuing from the article here, subtitle is cameras could monitor for signs of impairment. All right, now we're getting to the area that really is a no-go zone for me. The article reads, another option would be to bypass measuring blood alcohol levels directly and instead look for signs of impairment using cameras. This is the approach that Volvo has said it will take for future vehicles. The company tells NPR that the technology will be rolled out in the next couple of years, but would not provide any more specifics. All right. No, that's a no-go for me. Now there's going to be a camera analyzing your every move at all times. That is substantially more invasive than a breath sample. A breath sample is whatever. It's, you know, again, as long as they don't release that data, which I assume they will. Um, so if we're assuming, A, the data is going to be collected and then it is, B, going to be released, then we have to say, well, let's collect as little data as possible to still achieve this outcome. And it seems clear to me at face value, at least, that the, the smallest data that you could collect to achieve this outcome is that breath sample because it's a breath sample. You do facial recognition. You've got that that goes to identity, which can be tied to location, which can be tied to everything that's discernible from a person's face and location and patterns of life, where they go at what time do they go to, you know, the gym every day, or do they go to a junk food restaurant every day? Like, again, all of this data is going to be shared one day. There is no question in my mind. Anyway, article continues. Sam Abul Samid principal analyst with the market intelligence company Guidehouse Insights, says the great advantage of this approach, talking about the cameras, is that it can use cameras that many automakers are already installing in their vehicles. See, this is why I'll never buy a Tesla and surely any of these other vehicles that are all about this spying on you. Spyware as a service is what I like to call it. 
because it's just following you and watching you everywhere you go and everything you do. Uh, the article continues, right now these cameras are used to make sure drivers are looking at the road instead of being distracted. They consist of a small camera that's typically mounted on the steering column that's looking at the driver, he says. They use infrared so that it can see in the dark. If you're driving at night or if you're wearing sunglasses, it can still see your eyes. Look, no, just no. I mean, let's use the example of Tesla, for example. All right, in the first case, they're selling you a car for, I don't know how much they are. They're certainly more than a cheap Toyota. I'll tell you that for free. So let's say you've got 60 grand for a Tesla uh, around that ballpark, right? They're selling you a car for 60 grand. But hold on a minute. They're not actually selling it to you. They're giving you the vehicle for that price and they're granting you a license to use these features for a period of time, which you cannot transfer to the next owner. The internet is awash with stories of, you know, this guy bought a Tesla, it had the upgraded battery pack and he had the extra range. He sold it to another guy. The other guy had that extra range remotely disabled by Tesla because they said, no, screw you. You didn't pay us for the license. This other guy did. He's not allowed to sell it to you. It's ours. You don't own it. He doesn't own it. It's ours. So you've already got that type of egregious, whatever you call it, abuse is what I call it, going on on one hand. And then now you're going to say that it's going to be scanning the face of the driver at all times, literally watching them. Again, we know they, they will then know who is driving. They already know where the car goes. They already know what's being said inside the car. It's got microphones. So who's driving, where it goes, what's being said. And I suppose from facial recognition, you can, you can glean so much more information. What is the mood of the driver? How do they feel when they drive past a Starbucks versus when they drive past a, a church? Like, no. Why do they need this data? No, 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 no. Anyway, article continues. But hypothetically, the same cameras could be repurposed to look for other things. And some companies are optimistic that a visual system can reliably detect impairment on its own. Lavonda Brown is the founder of iGage, G-A-G-E, a company that's working on software to automatically detect intoxication by using a camera that's focused on an individual's eyes. She says a drunk person's eyes get glossy and their pupils respond differently to light. And there's a distinctive involuntary movement called nystagmus or nystagmus that's commonly used in field sobriety tests to detect alcohol use. It's what police officers are looking for when they ask drivers to follow a pen with their eyes. She goes on to say, your eyes are just so full of information and you cannot hide it. Uh, well, Lavonda Brown, I agree. You cannot hide it. So having a camera in your face, uh, in your car at all times, taking this information, again, if it was just about intoxication, no, but I certainly wouldn't have a problem with it. But it's not just about intoxication. In the words of Lavonda Brown herself, your eyes are just so full of information and you can't hide it. Your facial expression, they can, they can determine how you feel, what you're thinking, what your opinions might be on things. Let's say you're listening to something on the radio. You hear a radio story and uh, you're going to screw your face up if you don't like it. That's what happens. Well, now Tesla knows that. What do they do with that information about your preferences? Just no. No. The article continues, iGage is currently collecting data, hoping to improve the accuracy of its software across different demographics. Still, the technology is years away from reality. These examples of a technology that could prevent drunk driving still need refinement before they're ready for mass adoption. 
federal regulators have several years to determine what kind of technology should be required under the new vehicle standard, three years by default, with the possibility of an extension. Uh, and then automakers, once it comes out, will have two years to actually implement the standard in their vehicles. Congress didn't specify what kind of technology. OK, so look, it appears as though there's two key options here, two key opportunities to solve this problem in principle. Number one is the breath analysis, which, well, look, I've, if it has to be one of those things, if we're at a point where we've reached the end of the road of people being responsible for themselves, and if we're saying that 150 million drivers in the United States have to, absolutely have to submit to this type of uh, invasive control over them. If we're saying that's the point we've reached at, and now all that's left is we've got the option of using passive uh, breath analyzers or active cameras that are looking at you all the time and sharing that data with whoever owns them and whoever they want to sell that data to. Obviously, the breathalyzers are the least offensive and the least egregious uh, way of doing that. But, you know, should we even be doing this at all? Probably not. Look, if the numbers were insanely high, like if we had 1.7 million deaths from this a year, you know, that's, uh, that's a big problem. It's a substantial issue. And you've got to do something better. Now, look, I fully realize and I fully accept that anyone that's ever had their life affected by drink driving or, or drunk drivers is going to be hearing me say this and they're going to say, how could you say that? Uh, first of all, I'm sorry that that happened. Um, but then on a broader level, you know, on a, on a level more broadly, again, I just go back to the extreme example of it's not a question of what we can do, because if we wanted to, as a society, as lawmakers, as government, if we wanted to literally stop every single death, we would just ban vehicles entirely. And you can just use a bicycle and you can walk. That's it. That would stop every single death. But that's not the objective. Clearly hasn't been the objective. The objective has been to strike the right balance and say that, look, there's going to be some unfortunate incidents. It's part of doing the way that, doing things the way that we do them. Um, but then where do you draw that line? And I'm saying, you know, regrettably, in the face of any of these tragic incidents that have happened, I'm saying that 10,000 versus 150 million people that are having their lives, you know, exposed, for want of a better term, to automakers and to God knows who gets access to this information. I'm saying those numbers don't make sense. I'm sorry. I'm just saying they don't make sense. Um, and right now, as of today, this is February 2024, we've got a group called Mothers Against Drink Driving. Uh, and, and if I recall correctly, they were sort of the proponents of the bill back in 2021, uh, or the, the, the part of the infrastructure bill back in 2021 that required this type of monitoring. And back then, I'm not sure, and I don't recall whether they had specified which type of technology they want, but now it's very clear that they've come out and they've said uh, that they want the uh, National Highway, whatever it is, Safety Administration, they want the cameras. That's what they want. Facial scanning in all new cars. And again, it's like so many of the topics that we discuss on this podcast. At face value, no one could possibly have a problem with the objective that is uh, baked into these bills and baked into these laws, right? The objective is always noble and it's always pure and it's always something that any reasonable, rational person would strive for. But they always fall apart 
when you start to look at what is being proposed as the solution to achieve these objectives. And again, snitching 24-7 on drivers who are doing nothing wrong, scanning their face, uploading that to any future data breach uh, company, any, any company that is going to have a data breach in the future. Again, I've said on this podcast before, if it's online, if it's shared with any company, if it leaves the confines of your private environment, whether that's your car, whether that's your house, whether that's your workplace, if it leaves that environment in any way, meaning to say a Wi-Fi camera that you have at home or uh, um, a, those audio devices, Amazon Alexa, those types of things, if those exist, you have to assume, you have to take the position of a certain data breach in future. That's what I do. I know. I, anything that leaves the confines of private environment, I assume is going to become, if not publicly available, then certainly privately traded between hackers. Because you don't have to spend a great deal of time on the dark web forums to find all of these, uh, you know, the, the results of these previous hacks being traded around. You can get online right now. You can go on the dark web and you can buy for, look, I don't remember how much it was, $500 or $100 or $1,000. It's sort of irrelevant, really. But you can buy uh, the results of the Domino's pizza hack in, I think, it's, I think it was in Belgium. It was one of the European countries, nonetheless. Every customer's order details, their name, address, delivery location, uh, what they ordered, when they ordered it. You can buy that for a trivial amount of money. Imagine how valuable, if, if that was valuable enough for hackers to target it, imagine how valuable all of this other data comes from facial recognition and people's moods and opinions and beliefs on topics. That's a veritable gold mine. It's a treasure trove compared to who wants pepperoni and who likes, who likes pineapple on their pizza or not. So the problem, as always, with these types of things is the implementation. And this one, I'm going to say, maybe the breath sensor is okay. Maybe. It depends. Depends on what the sensor is technologically capable of, uh, you know, detecting or deriving from your breath sample. Is it technologically capable of getting all this bunch of other information that they've got no need for? Like, you know, I don't know, uh, your, your state of your ketosis if you're fasting and all this other stuff that can be done with breath sensors now. Is it one of those sensors or is it solely an alcohol uh, sensor? Is it solely for detecting drink driving, um, drunken driving? If that's all it is, if the, if the technology will not allow that physical piece of hardware to do anything else, then maybe, maybe I could concede that, okay, the, the, the push-pull on this one, the harm versus good and the balance, maybe it does lend itself to putting those sensors in vehicles maybe it's worthwhile. Anything else, especially cameras that are the most outrageous abuse of privacy, you know, at any point ever, anything else like that, I'm sorry, it doesn't go close. It does not go close to being the right balance between people's privacy and, uh, you know, protecting these 10,000 deaths a year from, from drink driving. Doesn't go close. And do also, by the way, I'd like to see a little more detail. If I, if I was a lawmaker voting on this bill, I would want to see a little bit more information around what other alternatives have been explored. Because I said, as I started reading this article, that they would detect, or the, the plan was to detect from people's normal driving tasks. Um, and 
the example that first came to my mind, which is what I said when I was reading it, was, okay, maybe they're detecting when someone is a little bit more wobbly on the steering wheel than they are, or maybe they accelerate a little more, uh, you know, a little more harshly, or maybe they brake a little more harshly. I'm sure that given all of what's available uh, in, in terms of machine learning and AI algorithms that can process this type of stuff, I'm sure there'd have to be somebody somewhere working on that type of solution that doesn't require any more data collection than what we've already had. So if I was a lawmaker looking at voting on this, I would want to look at, well, has anyone bothered to see if we can do this without absolutely further blowing up whatever shreds of privacy were remaining in someone's life? Have we looked at it? If not, we damn well should be looking at it. That's all for this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.